conversations and connections, community building, refocusing resources, re-education, healthy living, strong relationships, and safe spaces. The All Things Black podcast is committed to the onward advancement of creating positive narratives and presenting black news and perspectives that will help create meaningful dialogue with practical solutions. I am the host and the producer of the show, Daryl. My mission is to help tell stories of black lives through the art of podcasting. Welcome to the All Things Black Podcast. Welcome to your podcast. Welcome to your world. Welcome to the All Things Black Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Black Ovation. I am here with another episode, of course, on the All Things Black Podcast. Uh, And for those of you that have not subscribed to my show, make sure that you absolutely do that. I do have a YouTube channel up now with the latest episode uh, of the founder of the Black Podcast Association, who is Corey Gums, who I interviewed. And I'm also a member of the Black Podcast Association. And there's a ton of benefits that you can get by being a Black Podcast Association member. But that's something that we can talk about on a later date. Again, if you're interested in knowing anything about the Black Podcasters Association, I would recommend you either go to my um, YouTube channel to physically view the video that I in, that I did with Corey Gums, or you listen to the audio f- uh, form on your favorite streaming pla- uh, podcast platform. So with that being said, again, we're going to get into another interview, and this time I'm going to be interviewing an author by the name of Damian White, who is the author of... I made a place for you. So you guys stay tuned and we'll be right back. All right, we are back again. This is the All Things Black podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Black Ovation. First, a bit of news before we get into our feature. Um, If you guys don't know anything about Oasis. Oasis is a company, it's a um, property company that is in Chicago. And uh, they kind of just launched maybe, uh, I think it was like a year or two ago. But on the 19th of December, they're going to be having a rebuild Chicago. Of course, they reside in Chicago, but Revolt and Oasis got together And they're going to be talking about rebuilding Chicago. And that means urban development. That means housing. That means um, jobs. That means a ton of things, right? And Chicago is just like the launching pad for a lot of what they have uh, going on. So you can rest assured that this is going to go nationwide. But again, this is just the launching pad. So again, on December the 19th at 6 p.m., this is going to be at the Hurl Washington Cultural Center, 4701 um, South King Drive, again, in Chicago at 6 p.m., and the doors open. So if you guys are interested, make sure you go to oasis.com. Uh, look up that information. It's a free event. Make sure that you res- register at www.oasis.build forward slash RSVP. All right. And one last bit of news. If any of you subscribe to the Final Call newspaper, which I recommend that you do, there's a recent article, well, not so recent, but it was um, written in, uh, on December the 6th, and that was called, Af- and, and it's entitled, Africa Must Unite. 
rise up and be aware of smart, crooked deceivers. As most of us know, when you talk about resources, when you talk about a lot of the um, materials, the raw materials that's needed to develop a lot of the uh, machineries and the cell phones and stuff like that that we use, it literally comes from Africa. A lot of it comes from Africa. So there's a big, huge fight right now over resources and who's going to control Africa going forward. So I recommend that a lot of you guys go to the Final Call newspaper, go to that periodical, read that information about Africa must unite, rise up and beware of small crooked crooked deceivers. There's a ton of information in, in there about how a lot of people are trying to position themselves and doing it with a lot of tricks and deceit and crookedness to try to gain access to those raw materials and resources that is in Africa. So again, that is on the Final Call newspaper written by Brian E. Muhammad, who's a staff writer, and that article was written on December the 6th, 2022. Now, on to our feature. As I said at the top of the, the, the podcast, I'm going to be interviewing an author by the name of Damian White, who is the author of a book that he wrote. It's a book of poetry, and we're going to get into that. He wrote this book called I Made a Place for You. And Damien uh, hails from, and he can correct me, he is on the line with me right, right now. He's on the line with me right now. He can correct me if I'm, if I'm not wrong, if I'm wrong. But Damien hails from um, Columbus, Ohio, I believe it was. And, That's correct. Yes, sir. So Columbus, Ohio. And uh, he's a very interesting story. And we want to get into more of how Damien came about writing his book of poetry and what else he has going on. So you're talking about Columbus, Ohio is his um, place of residence. He still resides there right now. I believe he had a stint in San Francisco, I believe, uh, a short yeah. for a short period of time. And um, Damien was also, um, there was a couple of bouts of homelessness there. And we can, uh, we can just imagine how that would be when you have that type of creativity and that ingenuity but at the same time, having to, you know, think about where your next meal is going to come from or think about housing and things like that. So, again, we're kind of going to kind of get into that story. So, so Damien, if you would, please, um, with, a, with that bit of information, kind of give a little more of yourself to the listening audience about, you know, about who you are and we'll get into some other things. Absolutely. Uh, first, I just want to say I'm very grateful to be here. Um, this is a great, a great platform, and I'm super excited to share my story with your, your listeners. Um, I guess I'd start back like as early as high school, um, just quickly to kind of paint the picture here. Like I was the model student in my family, so you know when we went to the family reunions and stuff, everyone expected me to come talking about the the new award or fellowship or something. Um, and that carried, I, that followed me, and that kind of reputation followed me throughout college and. Um, right after when I went to grad school. So I went to a private high school and then I went to a top liberal arts school. And then I thought I wanted to be a sociology professor. So I went to the University of Michigan for almost two years. Um, it was a seven-year program. I didn't stay that long. Um, I changed my mind about what I wanted to do. And that kind of sent me down the identity spiral where I'm. I was figuring out who am I now that I'm not just walking this path that I've seen set for me. The kind of like trajectory you see for yourself when you're a professor is one of those where you know like, okay, I have this these three years to do research and I have 
this year to write my thesis and then I go on the job market. And then after I go on the job market, there's seven years until I get tenure. So I have to teach all these classes and you can kind of map out 15 years in advance. Um, when I left that environment, that bubble, I could no longer do that. And I had relied on that kind of structure and scaffolding of my life for so long that I really didn't know what to do. Um, and poetry was something that I had been writing since I was four years old. as kind of just a hobby, a uh, way to express myself. I always loved rap music. And I found that like, you know, I wasn't living in a neighborhood necessarily where like I was out like in a super dangerous environment, like things were going on around me and I could like write about what my, what was going on in my neighborhood. But I always found that like the way that like people like Lil Wayne and like Eminem or Jay-Z or Tupac or Biggie or Bone Thugs and Harmony, like how they took words and painted pictures, I found it to be fascinating. I didn't have like a rhyme or anything or a meter to it yet, but I knew there was something in words that like I had to, I had a gift also for arranging them in, in, in such a way where like I could make a meaningful statement. And I found like that to be super fun. Um, I, I found that that was like a little puzzle for me. Um, so for my entire life, it's been something that I've done as a hobby. It wasn't until about two years ago when I actually decided to write, you know, start writing this book. After I came back from San Francisco, I had lost my job. And I didn't want to come home. So I stayed out there for three months. About the first week of those, I had enough money from just like savings to get hotels and things like that. But the rest of those three months, I was living on the streets. Um, I was eating at the health shelter, at the homeless shelters. I was getting my clothes from the Salvation Army. I was using the public restrooms outside. I was trying to, you know, I was literally like, I, I was sleeping in parks. I was eating out of trash cans sometimes. And you have to imagine what do you like, how do you reconcile that kind of like situation when you just came from what would be perceived as like the top of the mountain for some people, you know, some people's mm -hmm. whole goal is to go to grad school and get like the national science foundation fellowship or a four foundation fellowship. And I won both those my first year in grad school. And I left both. I left, I left that, you know, I left that and a lot of prestige and the number one sociology program in the country. I left all of that because I just didn't like what I saw forming for for myself 15 years from that moment and i felt like who well, what do i look like if i can see this now and then i'm just I'm, I'm inviting a regret in the future you know so for me i decided i had to i had to use the things i knew i was good at and whether or not they could make me money i wasn't sure you know and so it just got to a point where i didn't know what else to do with all the thoughts and the experiences and the, the bad memories and the nightmares and the you know, the learning also that happened while I was homeless besides turning into poetry. And so what I did was I made this book um, out of that. Yeah, definitely. So we're, we're definitely going to get into that because I want to know what kind of inspired you to, to, to write yeah. that book. But just hearing that story, uh, you know, for a lot of people that did reach that pinnacle or have reached that pinnacle of success that you're talking about, you know, uh, they were kind of just forged through it because, you know, they, they're looking at the immediate reward, I, I guess you would say, uh, and the fact that you would uh, have these different type of accolades underneath your name and how you would be perceived and received in society because you did go to these prestigious um, institutions and gain these different types of titles and, and, and awards and whatnot. You know, most people were kind of just forced through that, but you said that you had enough foresight to see that you did not like what you would become or what you would be transformed into that's kind of, that's kind of interesting what so so how did that how did that come about though i mean what what 
what made you look down the wheel of time to say whether or not you want you 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 did want to do this or you wanted you know wanted to pursue it or you did not want to pursue it? Yeah, I think part of it's just the veil, uh, the curtain being pulled back. You know, so it's different when you're in college and you're online, you're googling the schools and you're looking at that, you're reading their and you're you know you're finding grad students that went there and you're trying to send them an email and ask them about their experience. That's one thing, right? That's still kind of you're in the fascination. Um, you're in that fascination honeymoon phase with the school. But when I got there, it's like I get to spend time with the people who like I'm literally saying, hey, I, the number one, like one of the top things you could do would be to be the dean of the number one grad school in the country. And like I'm, I'm working with that guy and I'm looking at his life and I'm saying like I couldn't imagine if this was my life. And, I'm, I'm, I, and then I'm saying to myself like I'm literally asking for this life. That's how I thought about it because what he was doing was just the regular routine of what his job required. Was life required? What being a professor at that school and a dean at that school required? And so, if that was something that I was thinking about for myself, then I had to like really ask myself, like, wh- why would I want to put myself in that situation if I can see right now that I don't want to be there? It's like I used to, um, I used to watch the show House. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's like yeah, yeah. Doc- yeah so, so you know the doctor show. And I was pre med when I first went to college, and so like you're watching House, and you you know you're like, man, this looks so fun and so fast paced. So you watch ER, Grey's Anatomy, and then like. I was going to shadow doctors in real life. And I was like, they don't show you this 75% of the time they're sitting there writing notes. They don't show you that all the uh, time they're, they're writing patient notes and they're having meetings and all of that. And they just show you that the doctor walks in, he puts on his mask, he starts barking orders at the people. He gets to feel like the boss. And then he, he, he does his job, stitches them up and then he walks out and then he goes and gets a coffee and gets in his Corvette. They show you that on TV. Glamorize it, that. glamorize it, romanticize right. it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that was the same thing that I had done for myself with becoming a professor. I had romanticized the idea of being able to be at a school and having summers off and being able to get grants to go travel to wherever I wanted to and write papers. And I had glamorized that idea, but I never really like irrigated what the day-to-day work meant for me, like as a person, emotionally and physically and personally. And when, once, but once I got there, I could see like this was, there was a tug of war for me. And I just felt like I was killing the creativity. I was killing a lot of the stuff that I had, I've wanted to like express for so long. And so it, it was just a matter of an agonizing choice to leave grad school. And it, I, I literally could tell you that day I hit the, I hit send on the email. I cried and rolled on my floor in my apartment. I, I literally rolled around my floor crying because the feeling I had in my stomach was like, you're giving up all the stuff that you wanted so bad and you don't even really know why yet. That is so just, interesting. You know, yeah, that is so interesting, and and not to say that um, people haven't done that before. You know, it's just of course just to hear it come from somebody that had that um, experience. You know, and to literally hear you say that you know you saw beyond the veil and you just didn't want to do the 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 day to day mundane stuff just to again have the accolades and maybe get uh, some resources and you know probably end up getting like a six figure six figure salary. Uh, at the end of the year and whatnot, because a lot of people would would just go for that. They'd be like, "Okay, I'm comfortable with with, with knowing that I have um, these things at my you know at, at my disposal." You know, again, I got a six figure salary. I can drive around in the Corvette, like you said, <laughs> drinking, 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 <laughs> drinking the coffee and whatnot, and and what and uh, you know, people would really be happy to do those things. But you said that you saw your creativity being killed. That is very interesting. So expound on that. You saw your creativity being killed because a lot of us walk around that have very creative ideas, and 
we we don't have we don't express them and you can see the life kind of and that's the thing you you can see the life in the individual kind of um you know kind of go away because that creativity that every human being has is 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 now being put under a bushel basket so kind of expound upon that if you will Sure. It's a funny story. Like one of my first papers I turned in in grad school, I was uh, co-authoring a paper with uh, one of my advisors and there was so much red on the page when she gave it back to me. I like, I thought she had like chopped up her, you know, her beef on the paper. Like I didn't know what happened to the paper. It was so, there was so much, so much red from her pen. And it was funny to me because by day I was writing these kind of like very rigid structured research papers. And in the evenings I'm writing lyrics and poems. And I'm only upset. Like, I love to write. There's nothing I love to do more than that, you know? So, Mm. but but it it just happened that from 10 or 9 or whatever in the morning until 4 or 5 when I was working, writing for school, it started to feel like a chore. It Mm. didn't feel like it was, it didn't feel enjoyable. But when I started working on like my artsy, creative, fun stuff, like getting, just getting the, getting what was inside of me outside, like that was, I could stay up all night. I didn't want to go to sleep. You know, I have, I have candles on and I'm over here setting a vibe for myself and I'm not like making coffee and finding distractions like I'm doing in the morning. I'll just keep with the coffee example. I'm a big coffee guy. Um, but I think that the, seeing the paper just reminded me that like I was in a program to narrow the focus of my writing. That's what to, to be successful in that world. You have to learn how to write like the top people in that world. So if you want to be published in the journals, that the guys from Princeton and Harvard are publishing in, there's a formula. It's not just like you do good research. Like plenty of people do good research all over the world. But for me at those places, it's publish or perish. So even as a grad student, mm. if you're not already, if you're not already publishing papers, then your, your job prospects are already limited. There's, it's a super competitive market. And like a feel like sociology isn't like economics or math or engineering or something where like there's, government jobs and their state jobs and there's all these other it's like you're going to become a professor or you might have to you might get a non-profit job or you might go work at social work but like the professor jobs are the coveted jobs and so like that's yeah. what i wanted so based on what i wanted i knew that like i was gonna have to and it was killing me it was it was it was hurting my psyche to think about how i felt about writing during the day versus how i felt about writing during the night and i just kept imagining that there could be a way that i didn't have to feel the way i felt during the daytime anymore wow wow very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, you gave me a lot of info and uh, I don't want to spend, too, I'll spend a lot of time on that, but there's a ton of questions that's still rolling around in my head about what you've just given us. Uh, but let's move on. Let's hey, kind of talk about, well, good, yes, sir. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, hey, we can go where, I want to answer your question. Got you, got you, got you. Well, I want to kind of because because I don't I don't want to uh, spend a lot of time on that. Even though again, I might just come back around again and ask the question that I've already had in my head. But one of the things I want to get to is 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 your book. Uh, you wrote a book called "I Made a, I Made a Place for You." Uh, now, is this your first pub your first published uh, work, or have you written anything else? Um, is before that, or do you plan on writing anything else? Uh, this is my first published book, and I'm currently working on my second. Okay. So the second, is that like an extension of, uh, this, this first work? Yeah. So I would say that this first work exposes a lot of the things that I was like the themes that I was curious about while I was homeless and kind of understanding my spirituality, understanding resilience, understanding like, who are you when your back's up against the wall? Like a, a lot of those scenarios and situations that I found myself in, they required reflection later, 
because you have to ask yourself, like, once you get back to a sense of normalcy, like, what was I doing? You know? And when I was there doing whatever I was doing, what was I thinking? And then that starts to back. And then when you realize what you're thinking versus like how you feel now, once you're back in your routine, you got, I got my job and I got an apartment and I got, you know, I got my life back in order. You have to, I, to me, like, it's my responsibility to reconcile those two things because I'm the same person. I was the same person that thought that stuff. Right. And so now I, I need to know, like, if, like, who's, who's, how do I, how do I build that bridge um, for myself? So I would say the first book talks a lot about those themes, introduces to introduces you to a lot of ideas. The second book is going to paint the picture of a lot of the scenarios more so. So I'm broadening the view a little bit where you're going to get a little more detail about like, okay, what was it like in that tent in real life? Got you, you know? got you, got you. Okay, so the inspiration from the from for the book essentially came from your experiences while you were in college and uh, also in San Francisco and 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 whatnot. Is it would that be correct? That's correct. Okay, all right, got you. Now, um, I didn't get to see the page count on the book. How many? Yeah, I, 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 you know, I know most poetry books are kind of you know small in number when it turn in terms of pages. So how many how many pages are we talking about here? Yeah, so this one's a little over 50, um, and half of those are illustrations. So I worked really closely with um, an illustrator from Italy, and he drew custom you know, sketches and finished them with watercolor and then digitized them for the book. So each painting, each picture is its own actual painting that we made into a piece of art for um, the poems. And the poems also have shapes. The illustrations are shaped almost in symmetry with the, po uh, with the poems as kind of a visual element that's added to the book. And that was just something for me that I, I love art as well. So how do, how could I make my book feel like art to me was important. And that was kind of the way that I did it. So you're talking about like 26, maybe 27 pages of poetry and then another 26, 27 pages of illustrations. Okay. Um, why, why the title I made a place for you? What, what, why, why that title? Great question. Um, I, I didn't know where else to talk about some of the stuff that I experienced. It felt like, you know, us keep with the tent example, for instance, like some of my experiences out there, like lots of people have tents and lots of things go on in those tents. But like when you're at brunch with your friends, you know, six months after that experience and everyone's having mimosas, like, do you talk about, do you talk about that? Right. Do you, do you bring that up? you know do you bring up what was going on out there or like do you for me I, it was, there was never a place for me to talk about those things i never felt like it was the right scenario or like i could talk without judgment or i could just kind of clear my conscience and tell somebody what i did you know or what i went through and so for for me like writing became again my safe space my safe haven for for the ideas that were swirling around in my head so, i was just going to say that yeah I, yeah so i i may i wrote the title because I made a place for these, these thoughts. I also was having a strained relationship with God. You know, for me, I had a long time where there's a lot of questioning, you know, I was raising about this family, but when I got older, I wasn't so sure anymore, you know, about how, how God could or could not be operating in my life. And so I had some, like, I had some darker times. And so for me also exploring those themes and like having a, having been, back against the wall, like foot on my neck feeling like the world was like crashing down on top of me. I think that you, for me, I ran back into the God question and I had to answer it. Gotcha. And, so and that's the other thing about it too. When I, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was saying the book was a place for that as well. 
That's what I was going to say because it, it it felt it had like a biblical reference or something like that too. When I when I when I read the title, I'm okay. I'm like, okay, I'm at a place for you. Yep, yeah, because there's a lot of, and again, it was not so much like a re- religious thing, but like I said, it had a biblical reference or a narrative in it that I could pick up on when I mm-hmm. when I when I saw that title. So I was just going to ask you about that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that religion is a prevailing force in the world and for me it's always been something i almost was i was almost a religion major in college um too because i've always been fascinated with just like how how ingrained um we are and whether you wherever you go you know people are people are following religions and it's guiding lives and it's important and it's and it's part of society and so for me when you're like i spent years not wanting to be have any parts of that Right. So then after I came back and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not the guy moving the chess pieces around anymore. I don't feel that way. Cause when you're doing good and you're like, I got this and I plan for that. Okay. That came through. And then I'm going to work on this thing next and then get, and it's going to lead to that. And you start doing that over and over again. You start to feel like you're playing God. You start to feel like you're yeah. the architect of what's, you start to feel like you're the architect of what's coming yeah. to next. Yeah. And so for me, I have to, when you, you, when you don't want it, but then you got to imagine you're out there in the streets and you can't fend for yourself and you can't provide for yourself. You don't want to feel like the guy moving the chess pieces then. So then where do you go? Now you have to now you have to ask yourself a very tough question. And that question for me was like, okay, is it me or is it God or is it both? And those are, that was the kind of question I was wrapping my head around. And it was very important for me to dig into that personally. Gotcha. You know, even before the book, it was important for me to figure that out. Gotcha. Um, and I want to ask this next question with, um, you know, very carefully. Um, uh, it, the, the question is about, you know, your experience with uh, homelessness. Do you do you do you kind of think that that being homeless brought you a pl- to a place of not? And again, not that you were heady, because I don't know you, right? Not that you were heady or high minded or anything like that. But do you kind of feel that the homelessness brought you to a place of humility? And 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 in that in that place of humility. Did that help with your writing process? Did that aid in the process of you writing? Could you see more clearly uh, in that place when you were in that uh, experience of of being homeless? And again, I, I mean no offense uh, whatsoever when I raised that question. No, that's a phenomenal question. And the answer is absolutely. I think that I can just tell you a, a tangible example. When I used to write before I was homeless, I would just sit in my room and just imagine what I thought about stuff, put it on paper. And now when I write, I want to go outside and I want to experience things and I want to capture moments. I want to feel feelings and put those into words. And that's a completely different process. One of them is happening in your head. The other one's happening in your heart. So for me, I think that being homeless was super humbling. One, just because I met people from all walks of life and it clarified a lot of the stereotypes and assumptions that the world, that like media and the world just feed you about what a homeless person is. Right. I met lawyers, doctors, former teachers, former coaches, former, I'm a former everybody, you know, out there. And you don't expect that. You think that you think whatever they want you to think. Right. And so to me, like I had to figure out how to carry that humility into back into normal life, because I would say like, I was a bit prideful. I was a bit like, I was feeling myself a little bit because I think that I had felt like the gold star student for so long and like that's cool in that little bubble so when you're in that little bubble as long as you stay in that bubble people respect you people you know they like they're they're after what you have already 
you know, and, but when you get out of that bubble, like I, no one cared about any of my fellowships or my degrees or no one asked to see my transcript or anything at the homeless shelter. Nobody cared. So those things don't matter. So how, who are you now? That was wow. the question that I had to figure out. Wow. Right. Who are you now? Okay. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's a deep one. That's a deep one because you know what? You're right. Um, I, I reside in uh, Atlanta right now. Uh, well, at least about an hour outside of Atlanta. And when I do go to, you know, downtown Atlanta and there's a, there's a huge area where there's a lot of homeless and, you know, uh, the, 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 the lot is, is more men than anything else. And when you sit down and you actually talk to a lot of them, these, these guys were, some of these guys were lawyers. They were in aeronautics. They were, <laughs> they, 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 they weren't like bums, like a lot of what, like you say, what social media and what other media forms of media want you to believe, right? These people just, they, they, they're lazy. They don't want to work. They, they are on drugs and that kind of stuff. No, a lot of these people are achieved. You know, they, they have a lot of right. stuff behind them. So, and, and it's just not like this. So again, so having to meet people that was in those spaces that have, that had achieved a lot, I, I know that had to be eye opening uh, to meet some of those people. So, so yeah, that's, that's one heck of a, uh, uh, heck of a uh, experience. Uh, let's see. I think also it was really interesting to like see how people operate with no money. You know, no one, like there was no money. No one had money. So, but people still had stuff and they still needed stuff. So like I might have grabbed some extra to go meals from the shelter, you know, at lunch because they were passing them out and someone else wasn't there at lunchtime. And like, I might need a hoodie. I could trade that meal for a hoodie. Yeah. And it was, and it was baffling to me. And that was, there was a, there was a barter system that I never knew existed within the community. And it was actually in the beginning, super fascinating because it's like, you would think that like every, they would make you think that everybody's out there just robbing everybody else for what they got. No one's like, they're just jumping in your tent while you're not going and stealing your stuff. But like people were like, you know, they were trading shoes for purses and they was trading this, these clothes that they got for that. And it was like super interesting to me in the beginning. Um, and I just want to tell you that because that's something that like, I would have never known. I would have never known that existed. And it also just like made me remember that people are humans and survival is a must and people are going to do what they have to do. So people weren't just out there robbing each other. They had developed some sort of barter system economy almost where it's like they could get what they needed without having to do anything violent or criminal. Right. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because, again, the picture is always painted that these people are or the people that get into those kind of experiences are, you know, um, criminal. Just like you said, you know, they're criminal. They're um, the dregs of society and stuff like that. So I'm glad you actually put that out there like that. So so when you so when you were writing this book, what the level of adversity trying to write that book while you were homeless? Like, can you kind of speak to that? What, what What was that? I mean, did you lose papers? Did you have to restart? Did you have to? Um, you know, collect yourself a little bit more. Kind, kind of speak to that if you would. Well, I didn't. I didn't start writing until I got back home. So I had a okay, okay. I had a long bus ride from California to Ohio on the Greyhound. You know, and that was a. You know, that's when I was sitting there thinking about what I was going to do when I got back. I knew I wasn't going to have a job immediately, and I had to figure out a bunch of stuff. So I did. I had a, the idea for me to write a book has been a bucket list item of mine for around like seven or eight years now. I always said I wanted to see my name on the spine of a book on my own bookcase. So I think that at that time I realized like I could have died literally multiple times over that three month period of time. And 
I realizing that had I have done that, I wouldn't have accomplished this goal that's been super salient throughout the last nearly 10 years of my life. And so it kind of motivated me and energized me to pick that project up and actually, actually write the book, actually put pen to paper. Now, were these a, a, a collection of already written poems or these were something that was uh, fresh ideas that were that came from the top of your head and you wrote that down? And then what was the time frame? How long did it take you to actually do that if you had to write, um, you know, brand new poems? Yeah, I wrote all brand new poems. So I would say the writing, I spent a lot more time editing than writing. So I would say the writing took me about nine months and I spent longer than that editing. <laughs> You know, and also working with an illustrator was a, its own project. I, I wanted to give him the creative license and space to not feel like we just had to get something done. You know, don't just rush and make me stuff. I want you to like be inspired and make the colors how you want the colors to be and make the, you know, take your time. And you're, this is, it's half your book, basically is what I told him. You know, it's half of this is yours because the content, half of it will be yours. So that also took some, you know, some back and forth and leeway to let him have his space to be an artist as well. So I would say overall, it took about two years to finish, you know, all the editing and illustrations and formatting and everything. Okay. And you did the editing yourself. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, uh, I edited the book multiple times myself. And then when I signed up to work with a press to publish the book, they assigned you an editor who basically kind of gives you a high level read of your book kind of the readability of it, the way that the poems are arranged, like, oh, maybe you should put that poem in the beginning or put that one towards the end or yada, 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 like the sequencing. Same kind of the same thing you do with music, like with an album, like someone saying, this, no, this should be the intro track. Right, 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 right. It's, a, it's the same kind of process. We went through that. They also help make sure that your cover is designed and formatted properly. So a lot of, um, they have a lot of great services that to me, I needed as someone who was publishing a book with illustrations. Um, it just requires a lot more technical to do in terms of formatting all those images. And I wanted to put my book out in a professional way so that I could promote it and have editorial reviewers and all that stuff. So it was essential that I didn't self-publish it. Um, I wanted to really make sure it came out properly. Totally understandable. Uh, I'm looking at the website right now, and I, I think this is where I should go ahead and plug <laughs> the website. <laughs> so it's DamianWhiteWrites.com. And here's where you can uh, explore the page, learn a little bit more about Damien, his books, um, things like that. He also has some apparel, and you can definitely get in contact with him uh, for, you know, I'm sure business reasons or whatever. Or maybe just reach out to him to, you know, uh, find out a little bit more about him and, and things like that. But I'm looking at the, the, the cover of the book, and would I be wrong in, 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 in assuming that there's a lot of symbolism on the cover of the, of, of the book? I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I mean, you would—that would be a safe assumption. And so I'm looking at, I'm looking. So, so it, the the it, what is what is that? A, a penguin or a bird or something like that? Is it, yeah, what it's is, a bird. Okay, it's a bird. It's a bird. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And uh, yeah, you, it's 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 that's that's what I'm, I'm, I'm picking up a lot of. It's it's really Christ, There's a Christian theme there. Um, so I'm looking at a, a chair with a crown on it and things like that. So. Um, coming out of the fire yeah coming out of the fire uh, stairwell staircasings all that kind of stuff so um, if any one of the listeners that are listening would they will listen to this this broadcast I would definitely say I think you guys should literally pick up the book and uh, just for anything if, if not for anything really read upon Damien's experiences and uh, how, you, how he put them in uh, poetry format 
and uh, you know, of course, he's a he's a he's a black author. So, and and I'm all about supporting us and uh, doing the best we can to support any one of us that are into, um, you know, are trying to develop into you know some form of enterprise, business, whatever the case may be. So, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of that. So, yeah, make sure that you go to DamianWrites.com, pick up a copy of his book. Make sure you read the reviews as well, and look at any kind of other events that is happening with uh, with Damon. Damon, have you did any kind of book reads or anything like that in any kind of, um, uh, you know, like cafes, you know, or, you know, normally where they hold like book reads and stuff like that, like Barnes and Nobles, uh, any of those places? Uh, I actually had a book launch party on the first when my book came out at an art gallery. So we had some art that was, in, there was an art installation there. And I also did a reading of a poem that's not from the book. I, uh, I really, at the time, like it was the day the book came out and I was concerned about people seeing the images with the with the poems the first time because that was such an important creative choice so i didn't read any poems from the book i just wrote i wrote a new poem specifically for just that night but i do plan on um since we have the original artwork still uh francesco and i i do intend to one day take this to like galleries so to be able to display the art and the poetry in a gallery setting and be there and signing books and talking to people i i love art galleries i think that the vibe there it's creative and it's classy and it's just like something I, I've always, when I, when I walk into one, I feel like at home. So that's kind of, that's, that's one thing I'd be looking to do in the future. Gotcha. Uh, I don't know if you've been to Atlanta or not. Atlanta is actually pretty artsy. They got some really, really, you know, really interesting places down here where you can actually come and, you know, kind of read your book, vibe out, things like that. And I'm sure just in the, in that space, <clears throat> pardon me, in this space that a lot of people down here in Atlanta would love to participate in in helping you to get the word out and also uh, purchase your purchase your your works, so I'm I'm sure that that would definitely happen. So again, I don't know if you have actually visited Atlanta or not, but um, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's, a while. It's it, man, it's crazy down here. There's a lot of transplants down there, which I'm one <laughs> myself. I'm not originally from here, and a lot of people can tell. <laughs> you, you know, you know, but uh, yeah. But yeah, but Atlanta's a very interesting place. Like I said, I don't live right directly in the city. It's about like an hour, hour and a half out um, and whatnot. But, you know, when I do go down there, man, I really try to make myself available to everything that's down there and just, uh, you know, partake of the uh, different experiences and things like that. So, um, Damien, uh, I'm in a place where now I kind of want to know from you, is there anything else that is going on with Damien? What should we look out for? I know you did mention earlier uh, in the broadcast that you're working on book two. Uh, is there any tentative tentative date that that book will be released? And uh, like you already said, that there's an extension. It's like an extension of the first book, so it's going to give you a little bit more and make sense, help to make sense of the first book. Is that would would that be correct? And uh, again, if there's if there's anything else you kind of want to speak to, uh, this will be the time to do it. Absolutely. Uh, so I couldn't give you a date. I'm in the I'm in the part uh, where it's I'm still writing the poems. So I have a weird process, sort of. I I like to write them all on paper and not edit anything until I've written everything I think is conceptually what will be in the book. So I can look at look at it all at once. So it's funny. Like right now, I don't actually know how many poems I have written. I've just been writing. Um, and then there will just be a day where I decide this is all, and then I'll call out my illustrator and get that process started again because we're going to try to take the images even to the next level um for the second book as well <clears throat> um i also i'm a hip-hop artist so i just put out a music video uh for my song be up on youtube and has on the vivo channel 
So if anyone likes, you know, rap music, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, actually funny because the book made an appearance in the video. So if you, there's, there's a little gym in there, my author copy, the first copy I ever got, I put it in the video, um, just as a memento to myself, a little token. So music, poetry, um, just trying to do dope stuff. I love, I love artsy, creative people. So typically I'm just trying to put, stick my nose wherever there are people doing cool things that like, I'll feel proud about when, you know, I'm done being a part of them. So I would like coming to Atlanta would be awesome. I would love to do that. I, I, I last time I was there, I was in Snellville, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's uh, that's out. That's that's a ways from 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 yeah. Atlanta actually. Snellville yeah, is kind of chill, man. You know, it's not a you know, it's kind of laid back and whatnot. But yeah, it's 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 a ways away from from uh, from Atlanta, uh, downtown Atlanta, man, and all those different areas, little five points and all of that kind of stuff is is busy. I mean, I'm talking about it's really busy, especially on days like on the weekend and stuff like that, where you can uh, yeah, just really immerse yourself into those really those really artsy places. Uh, but yeah, so 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 yeah, Atlanta is is really where you where you I would say that you should come like down like the downtown portion and find little cafes and little areas where um, they would be really receptive of you coming in and doing like a read or just showing some of your artwork and maybe even your hip hop you know because mm-hmm. down here as well you know right now it's Atlanta at one point like I heard Atlanta is like the cultural mecca um, of and of of the of the country right now. So for sure. Um, yeah. So you definitely want to, you know, when you get a chance, uh, I'm, Hey, I'm going to invite you down, man. <laughs> so you All right. Hey, get the word I'll, out, you I'll, know tap, what I mean? I'll tap, I'll tap you when I come down there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, so you can, uh, so you can make, make sure you get the word out and whatnot. Um, let me see if there's anything else, man, because I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to <laughs> pull some more from you because I, like I say, again, this is, you know, it's been really interesting just hearing your, your, your background and some of the things that you've experienced. And how that kind of played into you, um, you know, writing your book and whatnot. And, and of course, there's a second one that's coming out. So I'm really interested to see um, what that's going to be like. I will be purchasing the book. I have not done that. Uh, so I just want to put that out there. I'm going to be purchasing the book. Like I said, I'm in the middle, of, like I told you earlier before we started our convers- you know, our um, um, interview, that I'm in the process of moving right now. So everything is uh, kind of super focused on, on that. But um Definitely, we'll be purchasing the book. We'll be putting that uh, that that uh, a picture of the book when I do receive it on my uh, Instagram page and whatnot. <clears throat> and uh, this is one of the things I love to do as well. Uh, I haven't done it full time, which is what I want to do. I really want to do it full time, just to be full time podcaster and to be mm-hmm. able to help a lot of people uh, to express their stories because that's what I'm about. Right? I help tell black stories um, through podcasting and visual media. That's that's what I love to do, <clears throat> and um, just hearing the interesting stories and bringing people on the podcast that can talk about that creative process or what they're involved in and how that's actually going to be able to kind of bridge certain gaps and things like that in our community. Because I'm really I'm really big on the black experience. Uh, if you know by <laughs> if you haven't told by the you know can tell by the name of the podcast all things <laughs> black podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm huge on that and. Uh, you know, that's that's really what I'm hoping for. But let me see if I can squeeze one more question out of you here, Damien, before we let you go. Um, let's see. I can, I can tell you something interesting. Go ahead. So one of the things that I, I didn't mention earlier that I think is super critical to to tell people about my kind of coming, my transformation out of this, you know, out of this identity crisis is that I really learned the importance of protecting my mental health. Um, and, and the importance of 
putting boundaries around myself because now like being alone, being the lone wolf out there and being the only one sitting there dealing with your emotions, you know, I'm the only one that knows what it looks like when I get to that lowest place. No one was there. Nobody saw the brokenness and the, the, the barrenness inside. So for me now, it's important that I don't allow people to bring negativity in my life and bring me down to the point where I start to feel like I'm slowly crawling back into that, that space because I have to, I have to make it a hard stop that I can never go back there again. And so I wanted to say like, that's, I've been a very freeing and liberating lesson that I learned because now I've learned how to tell people, no, Hey, I can't come to that. I don't want to come drink with you guys this weekend or, Hey, I'm going to work on my book or I'm going to do this. And like understanding that protecting my, my space is priority versus trying to people please, I think was a very valuable jump in my kind of discernment after coming out of this. That is so huge, man. And that's something that I've been on for a long time. Actually, people think that I'm quite mean <laughs> because I'll tell you, no, in a minute, I'm not doing it. You know, and it's not that I'm, I don't want to, you know, be helpful or aid people or anything like that. It's just the fact that I don't want to stretch myself either, you know, because people can deplete you. And I don't think a right. lot of people recognize the fact that they can actually pull out of you and just drain the hell out of you. And, and a lot of times people are not reciprocating that same energy. And that's a, that's a, that's a huge problem. So I don't, I don't blame you for protecting your peace and mental health right now, uh, which I think is really huge in the black community. A lot of people are now talking about mental health, therapy, uh, protecting your peace, you know, loving on yourself, that kind of stuff. So I think that's really huge. And I think a lot of us as black men also need to start doing that as well because there's, there's a demand on us as black men um, heavily. Right. And, 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 and as you know, a lot of us get told that uh, on a daily basis, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a demand on you. And when you falter, you know, I'm going to let you know about it. <laughs> I'm going to let you know when you mess right. up. Right. And, 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 and again, I just think, you know, that, that it's high time a lot of us, you know, do that. We kind of just check out. Not to, not to say we're going to, you know, completely forget about, you know, people. It's just that right now I have to do what's best for me and what's in the interest of me. And which 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 is going to give me joy, which is going to give me peace, which is going to protect my mental health space. So I think that's really huge, and I'm glad you actually kind of brought that out and uh, and 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 talked about that. Um, that's something that um, you know I talk about a lot offline to a lot of uh, people, and we kind of express ourselves in that manner. Just uh, and and again, it's just it's just huge that we do that right now. And I'm and I, and I thank you again for bringing that up. So man, this has been very insightful. It's been very enjoyable. Enjoyable to have you come on the show. I want to invite you back on again. Um, and maybe we can talk about that mental health um, piece a little bit more, you know, a little bit more in depth. I would love to. You know what I'm saying? I would love to. So, so absolutely. This has been, this has been great. So again, you can find our dear brother, Damian White at DamianWhiteWrites.com. He has authored a book entitled, I Made a Place for You. It's a book of poetry, a book of illustration, uh, I would say make sure that you reach out to Damien, read the reviews on his website, purchase his product, purchase his book. Not only are you purchasing the product, but you're purchasing his life experiences as well. So you, you want to make sure that you do that. And uh, this has been the All Things Black Podcast. I've been your host, Mr. Black Ovation. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe, go to my social media pages, go to my YouTube, watch the three <laughs> videos that I have up there. Three videos that I have up there. I also have a uh, the newest video up there, which I talked to uh, Corey Gums, the uh, founder of the Black Podcast Association, who basically is really trying to 
bring uh, together the whole of the black creative experience, those that are in the podcasting space or those that have some type of insight that would help us to elevate and begin to talk about our experiences and to, to you know to to push forward our narratives as as black creatives in the Black Podcasting Association. Not to mention, um, and and that the fact that this is also powered by Afros and Audios. Afros and Audios, a lot of people don't know, is a um, event um, of black podcasters that come together just about every year to talk about the state of podcasting, the, the, the state of black podcasting and whatnot. So they had their, I think it was the fourth annual uh, event that was just held in Philadelphia not too long ago. And of course, they're going to be pushing forward. So Afros and Audios is a great place to be. Taleb Jazir is uh, the founder of that. So you, so these people you want to you know pay attention to and look out for because there's some very, very insightful, very phenomenal individuals that are working in, in these in these different spaces. So again, I'm your I'm your host, Mr. Black Ovation. This has been the All Things Black Podcast. And I want to thank you guys, the listening artists, for listening in advance. And in any way, shape, or form that you can help sponsor this broadcast, this podcast, to help me to create more shows, to bring on more people, to craft my show in 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 the way that it should be for you, the listening audience. It would be greatly appreciated. So we are out. Thank you again, Brother Damon. Is there any parting words that you would like to leave before we sign out? Yeah, hey, you said it all. I think you said it all. I really like how you said you're purchasing the, his life experience. I might have to borrow that from you. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, that's going to be 10%. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But yeah, borrow it away, man. Borrow it away. But, uh, but yeah, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on the platform. Thank you.